welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Oh, thanks for joining us on an episode of Cats by 90, podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown. Aaron Gershon's with me today. And April 16th, 2020, lots, lots of stuff going on, probably like news-packed week, definitely. We knew this week was coming regardless of um, COVID-19, things that are going on. This week was destined to come regardless, and it did this week, so we kind of know all the guys are leaving. So we'll get to all that stuff, but first off, man, I haven't talked to you, I guess, since our last episode about last week or so. Um, how you holding up, Aaron? <laughs> you know, the news has helped, honestly. It's given me things to talk about, write about, uh, read about, so <laughs> that's helped, but uh yeah, I think other than that, a little bit of cabin, a lot of bit of cabin fever, just ready to get out of this, and it's good to see things starting to trend in the right direction finally, and just praying for everyone out there, everyone's staying safe, and them and their loved ones are healthy at home. Yeah, it's kind of like the new normal settling in, and I have good days and bad days with it, sometimes definitely throwing trap, but it seems to be news progressing in the right direction, especially today, so I think yes. now we're kind of shooting for a couple weeks, start really cautiously opening things up, which is good, but... Um, real quick, if you've never listened to the Cats by 90 podcast, we usually try to do a segment to begin called the In My Feelings segment, where we just talk about quickly one thing good that happened to us that week and one thing bad. Um, I'll start this week, Aaron, because I'll try to keep them quick. we got a lot to get to, but along the lines of COVID-19 and just keeping your sanity, um, like, I don't know, you might not know this about me, Aaron, but I really like fishing. I'm somewhat of an outdoorsman. I like just getting out there, getting casting a line, enjoying the outdoors. So since I moved, I haven't had much of that. So I literally just got on my phone this week, like found the closest water. Um, I'm kind of in an urban area, so it's kind of weird, but still leads to the Ohio River. But took Lily down there, caught a couple bluegill, and I'm just beyond thrilled to have a place that I can go and just get outside a little bit. But my negative is a tie-in on that because uh second trip, I think we went over there this weekend, got a little poison ivy. Poison ivy sucks. Oh, yeah, but I don't think awful. I've ever had it, at least in my adult life. And I'm pretty fortunate. I just have a like, little good little spot on my wrist and then on like my lower back. So uh don't wish poison ivy a bad case on absolutely anyone. It sucks. But nonetheless, it was uh, overall positive. I'll just uh, be more careful next time. <laughs> there you go. Uh I'd say for me, the positive is we are, what, one week away from a lot. It's not a live sporting event, but the NFL draft is a week away, and I'm going to treat those three days as if it's the Super Bowl because I'm not taking uh-huh. anything for granted ever again. So I'm really excited about that. Uh My team has an early pick yet again, so going to be watching that closely and excited to get some sports back on. Um I'd say the negative, it's hard to – I'm trying to say as positive as possible. I guess I gotta just stick with the same theme, man. I've been getting headaches. I'm so just bored right now. I feel like professors at school have almost made it easier. Um, and I appreciate that, but the work is so much less and the news isn't pouring in as much that it, it's just the cabin fever has definitely gotten in my head a little bit, but, uh, should be heading home finally to, it should be safe again to go home to Connecticut for a little bit here in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that, but. Man, uh, obviously it's the right thing to do. I'm staying home and I encourage everyone else to out there and think pretty much everyone is, but man, is it hard. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's not getting harder every day, but again, positive news starting to be the kind of common theme. So hopefully yes. it'll be a lot easier once we have like maybe a date in mind that we can look forward to and kind of set our calendars for that. But before we jump into the obviously huge basketball news week and new that it's been, um, if you haven't yet, please check out the Kentucky Dad podcast, another um, pod that's on the SB Nations network. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, my last guest, Tony Delk, it was great. Um, if you haven't listened to that, he was one of my childhood heroes, which I'm sure he gets a lot, but I was nine years old in 1996. So I looked up to those guys big time. So that's been a lot of fun, Aaron. And it, it was cool kind of learning some stuff about Tony Delk. Yeah, that is awesome. And I did get a good chance to listen to it. So anyone who shouldn't, who hasn't yet, definitely should. Uh, it's worth the time. All three of them too. You had, uh, what, Justin Rowland and TJ Beiser. They're all really great. Yeah, they've been kick-ass, so please check those out. And um, along your line, I was just thinking about this today. Like, I don't think that I've ever listened to any one of my peers' friends' podcasts ever. Like, I don't know how people find time. Like, you know, our boys, uh, Jack Pilgrim and um, Travis Graff do sorts of say. Like, yep. I genuinely want to listen to it, and, like, I just can never find the time. So if anybody that does this stuff listens to our podcast, we genuinely appreciate you because we know you're busy and it can kind of get crowded with a lot of Kentucky sports. But – Nonetheless, man, so, again, we knew this week was coming. We knew these draft decisions were going to be made, probably made within the same week. And where I sit, Aaron, like, my perspective on this all, like, high level is that not one of the decisions surprised me, honestly. Like, you could have made a case for a couple guys, but none of them shocked me. And even cumulatively, it didn't surprise me. So, like, I feel like the BBN is just in an uproar right now. Like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Like, it's just these surprise after surprise and bombshell after bombshell. And it's kind of scripted to me. I thought this was how it would go down with the exception of maybe EJ coming back. Does that make sense to you? Or are you feeling something different? No, I wouldn't say I feel anything different. Uh I, I'm still amazed just how we, we've been talking about on the big blue insider all week. It feels like people coming in and out. It's just crazy that Keon Brooks is going to be the only guy returning that even played. I mean, Dante Allen obviously would have been in the rotation if healthy, uh, wasn't. And then you have a couple walk-ons returning. So it's just amazing. It's going to be, we're going to be learning about, I mean, we obviously know the rankings. We know where the transfers are coming from. We know a good deal, uh, about these kids, but we, we're going to have to learn a, a lot of their background stories. We're going to see some of them struggle at the beginning and wonder why they were rated five stars. We're going to see some of them thrive at the beginning and say they're going to be lottery picks. Uh, and this is just an every year prospect and never, uh, every year process. And it never fails to amaze me, especially because, and I guess it's more amazing me this year again, because I, I guess the last two years, at least you had a couple guys return. Uh, you had PJ return two years ago. Last year you had Nick, Emmanuel, Ashton back. So next year, man, it's, it's amazing. This team is going to be completely and utterly different. It, it really is. It amazes me every year. Yeah. So the Kentucky team this year cumulatively scored two, 2,307 points and returning of those is 138 by Keon Brooks. So returning <laughs> 138 of 2,300 points. And I know a lot of people have broke down the percentage, but those actual numbers stood out to me more. So, yeah, I mean, this every single year, Cal's in rebuild mode, but even he has seen nothing like this. And just the landscape of college basketball is just getting so crazy. And I have that on the list. I want to talk about the G League stuff and Jalen Green and all that. But first, we got to stay on this. So I said that, again, nothing surprised me. Even EJ, I thought he was going to leave. I was kind of like 60-40. 
wouldn't have surprised me if he came back just due to the role that he would have been able to fill. But what about you? So then you're pretty much Seth in. Um, were you surprised DJ went? Did you think he was coming back? And uh-huh. it kills me too, Aaron, that people genuinely freaking convinced themselves that quickly was going to come back and even crazier <laughs> that he should come back. It just never ceases to amaze me. Like you, you know what's going to happen every year. More guys right. are going to leave than come back. And then he's a freaking SEC player of the year. Right. Uh, EJ first, uh, not surprised he went. I still think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an NFL NBA scout by any means. I just don't see it. You don't see him on any built big boards. Even in, like these guys have big boards that are a hundred, 120 players deep and you don't see his name anywhere. It just makes no sense to me. So I don't, I mean, I, I would assume he'll get a G League gig, but if Reed Travis, who I didn't think obviously he had no choice but to declare if he wanted to keep playing basketball, but he to me was an undrafted guy. He didn't even get a G League gig, remember? He opted to go overseas. So I guess that's what EJ is going to do unless he, I don't know, <laughs> unless he just has this crazy turnaround and it happens as a pro, but I just don't see it. I think he could have benefited more than any of the guys who had an NBA chance. Uh, coming back next year, uh, could have been a really, really similar story to Nick this year, in my opinion. And it's, I think it's a real disappointment. We're not going to see it, but with Emmanuel, uh, I, I mean, the only argument you could see for him coming back would be the whole, you know, he's a natural point guard, came in recruited as point guard, could have been the starting point guard next year and shown what he could do with the ball in his hands more. But the, the stock's never going to be higher for that kid. What if you come back and get hurt? Uh, don't play well at point, whatever. You were the SEC player of the year. Definitely worth putting your name in the draft. Uh, there have been some that he's been a late first round or other second round. So I think he's going to find his way onto a roster. Uh, could be a guy who starts in the G League, but I think he'll find his way onto a roster eventually. And if anything we learned about him, it's his work, th- work ethic is comparable to the Tyler Heroes, Shea Gilgis, Alexander's of the world and those kids. Weren't supposed to be one and duns, became one and duns, and our NBA one of them's already closing in on being an all star, and the other is one of the better rookies in the league. So uh, I think he's kind of on that track. Yeah, I'll just echo everybody's sentiment as far as Emmanuel quickly goes. This nicest kid in the world deserves everything that's coming to him. I think that his mindset and his ability are going to, you know, outweigh any challenges that he comes up against. And I think he'll make a roster too, but kind of bouncing around, but back to EJ. So people just confuse the situation so much, man. It was driving me crazy this week. Like, just because he's leaving doesn't mean he thinks he's going to get drafted in the first round. Like, everyone right. I think clouds it as, like, they're rolling the dice that they're going to get drafted. And then when they don't get drafted, they're like, you're dumb. Your plan didn't work. And he's smart enough to at least, you know, have and had those conversations with people that know that are in the know. So he has a path, and I'm sure he's he's probably on his big board done a best case, likely case, and worst case scenario. And obviously he's okay with the worst case scenario in comparison to coming back to Kentucky. And the other part of that is that was frustrating me to know in this week is that the group of the fan base or just people in general, not even just in relation to the EJ Montgomery case, it'll be like, oh, they're going pro. They're the biggest letdown ever. They were overranked. They sucked here for two years. Well, why the hell do you want them to come back then? Like, I never understand that, that they suck. So they shouldn't be leaving, but it's your team. So why would you want them to come back? So I'm, I can't say that I know EJ made the right decision, but I can definitely understand his rationale behind it. Because what if EJ Montgomery comes back and he has a worse season than he did this year? Then his options are even more limited because as of right now, he's going to get a professional chance still based off his size and potential. 
Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I, I just going through all these guys, I think I, I, I'm gonna say that other than Maxi, all four of the guys are probably gonna start as G League guys, just because that's kind of the name of the game right now. They're trying to expand that G League. You're seeing most guys who are drafted even late for Keldon Johnson. What he played two games as a pro last year and he's drafted 29. So I think really they all. I think that if I'm going to say which guys I think have the highest ceilings, I'd say Nick, I'd say Emmanuel, uh, and Tyrese. I'm still just not convinced on either Hagens or um, Hagens or EJ being pro solid pros. I just I think Ashton defensively is there, but if he can't get out of his head or Really, it's all mental for him. That's his biggest thing. And then you look at um his offensive game. It's just not there. I, I don't know. Did you see anything from his offense that convinces he's an NBA point guard? Actually, I'm not going to totally agree with that. I see I, definitely deficiencies, no doubt about it. But I agree with his dad in the sense that, no doubt about it, I think if you put him on a worse team, you know, his obviously his numbers are going to increase. And I could see him in college being somewhere around like a – 14 point a game guy if he was more of an option and was just no matter what playing through every mistake on the floor 34 35 minutes a game so I think it's there but I I don't know that it's ever going to be able to be polished enough to be an NBA player I would definitely agree on Ashton Hagens I mean just watching him close up as much as I did like he's a really good player but I just don't know that he's elite enough at, at any individual thing to carve out space on a professional roster in the NBA but we wish all those guys best man I had that on my yeah. list some of the First group of guys we ever really got to cover. Um, so I said, man, I've seen Ashton Higgins, Nick Richards. I've seen EJ. I've seen those guys playing some big games, man. And they always showed up. Nick's awesome um, to talk to. He's just kind of stoic all the time. And another success story just in Kentucky. And I think we'll all be rooting for him really hard. But definitely a little sad to see how the guy goes besides all the um, gaps it's leaving for next year, which we're about to talk about. But, again, just in general, I feel like, man, I've known a lot of those guys for a couple of years, so I'll definitely be cheering for them all. Yeah, me too. And it's always so fun to see those guys go pro and be like, yeah, I got to cover that guy. I've talked to that guy a ton of times. So, obviously going to be rooting for all of them and getting ready to do a lot of homework on our new group coming in next year. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you said that because Drew's got a little scoop. I normally don't have any scoop, and not that it's like major, major scoop, but – just kind of did some reaching out this week about the incoming guys and got a little bit of feel for their personalities and thing, which I'm excited to share because it's from some trusted sources. But before we kind of switch gears and talk about next year's roster and kind of how that's going to finalize, let's take a quick commercial break. All right, we're back. Kentucky. I almost said Kentucky Dad Podcast, Cats by 90 <laughs> Podcast. They're so, they sound so similar, too. I've done that twice on the other one. But, all right, I teased that a little bit of scoop before we went to the break there, Aaron. And it's essentially just kind of related a little bit around the Terrence Clark saga. So I ain't even going to lie, man. I woke up the other morning and saw that stuff about the G League and Rod Strickland and the contract he was potentially being offered. And I was just, like, so done with 2020. I'm like, this cannot be happening because – it felt like it really was gaining some wings there before Terrence Clark uh, finally went on social media and kind of shot it down and said that he was here to stay. So did you ever think that that had a chance to happen? And what was your initial thought, Aaron, when you saw that it was possible not only was Kentucky losing everybody, but that they could be losing arguably their best player for next year? Yeah, the Terrence Clark stuff was uh, definitely a scary thing. I definitely 
just given where the other two kids, uh, what is, was it, Green and uh, was the other one? Uh, the, Isaiah Todd both decide to go that route. I, the thing that stuck in my head is, man, this I, and I'm not. This is nothing against these kids, or, but these guys are 18, 17 years old, and they're being offered seven figures or six figures. Why would they come to college, right? I mean, they're gonna go through the same process in a sense, maybe not the same experience and playing in front of fans at the NCAA tournament, but a very similar process, and they're gonna get paid to do so. So, of course, when that came out, I thought there would be real legs to it, but. Luckily, Clark really it seems like this has been the school he's wanted to play for his whole life, um, and he seems really excited to get here. So, obviously, that to me, keeping Clark was as big of a pickup as you're going to get. Um, and yeah, no real surprise on losing the whole roster again. So, just even more importance on keeping him. It is, yeah, I would hundred percent agree. It was monster, man. When I saw his <laughs> his social media post, it was you know so. Flag in the sand, like I'm definitely coming. I was like, oh my gosh, because that was the whole point of my story. It was like before that, I'm like, oh no. And I usually don't do this because I'm I'm more of like a I'd rather analyze the news than try to like dig deep on sources and predict it beforehand. But I was like stressing that. So I texted a couple people just that we know around uh, Kentucky program and was like, oh my gosh, you know, is there any validity to this? Could this guy really be thinking about not coming? And the particular person I talked to didn't necessarily have a lot of information on that specifically, but just talked to me a lot about kind of the potential immaturity of Terrence Clark. And then they're kind of worried about maybe when he gets here, they're going to really have to have their arms around him and, and keep him kind of focused and stuff. And, and I had even noticed that too, Aaron, just with, um, I don't know if you remember at Big Blue Madness and stuff, but when he was behind the bench and it was awesome to see him having a good time. But I remember it kind of got to the point where I was like, wow, he's, He's acting extra goofy and kind of extra, I'm going to call it immature, but just, so and then just hearing some of that stuff, I think that there could be a little bit of a case. And I know they've, they've done an awesome job and they always do at Kentucky, but they may really have a little bit of a diva type thing to deal with when they get here. But my other side of that was ball indications, his teammates love him, which I think is most important, but it was a little nerve wracking to me when that was going on. And, and the people I was reaching out to was kind of like, we don't, we don't really know what's going on. He's kind of been historically tough to get information on because people are kind of just wishy-washy. Bridges burned, too. That was kind of what I was getting at. It's kind of over his high school career, burned some bridges. So um, no huge red flags, but just kind of a couple of things to keep your eye on. But thankfully, he will be coming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thankfully, because that would be a lot on B.J. Boston and Keon Brooks' shoulders next year. and. You look across the SEC, man. I mean, six of the ten top recruiting classes in the nation are in the SEC, which this isn't football. This is basketball. <laughs> so you were, I, I, if you take Clark off the roster, they're not even the favorites to finish third in the conference. And I, I know people are probably thinking that's crazy, but you look at Tennessee's class and what they'll have coming back. You look at Auburn's class and what they have coming back. Arkansas. Mason Jones will be gone, but you still have some guys. They have a really elite class coming in. This is going to be a dogfight of a conference, and Florida too. Florida's get, getting all their guys are coming back. Scotty Lewis, uh, Keontae Johnson, and they have a top class. It, it's going to be a really, really freaking good conference, and Kentucky cannot afford to lose their top piece according to the ranking system. Yeah, the SEC is looking straight up loaded. I, I would argue that Jaden Springer coming in at Tennessee might be the best player oh, coming yeah. in the SEC 
Because I mean, that kid's a stud. I've, I've seen him play a ton. He's young, too. That kid's like, I don't think he's turned 18 yet. He's yeah. going to be a stud. So you're right. And this is uh, kind of yeah. good tie. And I want to go back a little bit and talk more about the option that Terrence Clark had for the G League and, and Jalen Green. But another time to the SEC and a little bit of stuff that I was hearing just about next year's team and kind of digging in a little. Greg Brown, man. So by all indications, it's a super long shot for Greg Brown yeah. to come to Kentucky. I get that. And I don't think it's going to happen. But I will say, man, uh, even a couple of my followers have sent me stuff just like messaging him. And, like, he kind of writes back emojis and stuff, leaving things open, which I get it. I'm sure he's doing that a lot. He's had, like, kind of his YouTube channel going that he's been promoting. So I'm sure he's writing a lot of people back. But the information that I heard, too, was that there's a couple guys coming in that still think there's a chance to get him. And whether or not they're recruiting him over the next week or so, I think he announces on the 24th, is yet to be heard or seen. But I think there are a couple guys that aren't holding are holding out some hope that, who knows, maybe Cal's really blowing them up these next eight days because obviously that void is there and he'd really be able to showcase his skills, you know, on a big stage. But other part of that is that if it's not Kentucky, it could it could very well be Auburn if he doesn't go to Texas. Yeah. So you just reeled off all those players coming to the SEC. Then you add a, you know, a freak athlete like Greg Brown. And that's my vote. Obviously, I'd love to see him come to Kentucky. But if not, I hope he comes to Auburn over Texas because not only do I want to see him, I just – I think it'd be better for his career too to play for a guy like Bruce Pearl, one of the, probably the the best conference next year in the country. You know, if not, it'll be one of the top. So who yeah. knows, man? I'm I'm uh, yeah. not gonna at all say I think Greg Brown's coming, but no, there's a sliver of hope. Yeah, very unlikely, but like you said, definitely a sliver of hope. But you need a big man. I mean, six eight as your tallest guy in the conference that they're gonna have next year isn't gonna cut it. But this Matt Harmus kid. You look at his top ten, I mean, obviously, there's a lot that goes into the decision. It's does he want to be um, – does he want to be the guy? Does he want to be a guy who just wants to win? There's a lot that will weigh into it. But you look at his top ten, and none of the schools are the, don't – they're not blue blood programs. He has uh, – Gonzaga is probably the best program, or at least winning his program of late on there as well. you got – Arizona, who always seems to be in on these guys. Um, Memphis is on there. You never know with Penny Hardaway, Texas Tech, but no one that really scares you and you can't make a better case for. A 7-3 guy who can shoot, I don't have to tell you how effective that would be. Uh, and that would really, in my opinion, complete next year's roster and have a team you feel really good about. And then obviously you have the transfer from Creighton will be able to play right away. Uh, probably not going to see Topin next year, but yeah, they got to get a big – and let me say this. Tennessee brought up Jaden Springer. That roster they're going to have with Springer, they'll have Keon Johnson, another five-star guy, Corey Walker, four-star guy. You have Ponds, who was the defensive player of the year in the conference. We saw how good, as much as Kentucky fans don't like him, John Fulkerson, a seven-footer is. They're the favorites in this conference, in my opinion, if you don't land a big man. It's just that simple. And I just, I don't see, going back to quickly to Greg Brown, I don't see him. No. He needs guards around him. I mean, his game's not polished enough. So we'll see what he does again. I hope it's the SEC. But yeah, that was on my list too, these grad transfers. And I don't know that I've had a chance to talk about Matt Harms on the Cats by 90 podcast, but dude, I want this guy in blue so bad, Aaron. Not just because it's a void Kentucky needs. I mean, that's obvious. You just kind of went through the X's and O's. It's jumps out of you on paper if you know anything about basketball. But this kid is going to be like a polarizing figure at Kentucky. 
everyone in the country, I firmly believe this, is going to kind of know a little bit about who he is, definitely in the conference, because he just has this, like, cult following that he's created at Purdue. And I've heard that, like, he may be one of the biggest guys in the country that just catches crap on the road and is just constantly ridiculed everywhere he goes from his hair and just kind of how he looks, way he plays, he's emotional. So for no other reason, basketball aside, <laughs> I know he'd be a great, just fun guy to have on the team yeah. and just something different too, man. Like he's not Greg Brown. He's not a, a wing slash, you know, stretch forward that can jump out of the gym and catch alley-oops and it's just like a pogo stick. He just brings something different, you know, able to stretch the defense and stuff and, not even saying I think it'll be better. I just always have enjoyed in the Cal era and the rare times that we get a player that's just not that typical prototype Kentucky player. Yeah, uh, it, the flow is he's going to be Kentucky's John Fulkerson, <laughs> and uh, you know, but he's uh, you just look at it all stands out to you. seven three. I, I can't remember a guy who's been well over seven feet at Kentucky in quite a bit. Obviously, I've had guys seven on the dot, but seven three. Uh, he's the the flow. He's I think he's he's from the Netherlands, so um, overseas kid. Uh, Purdue. I mean, Purdue is a. I mean, they're right up the road. I know cons- there's no real rivalry there, but you know, a kind of a chance to rub it in in the big te- uh, uh, rub in um, the SEC becoming a powerhouse basketball conference against the Big Ten. I mean, eight and a half points per game. Shoots over thirty percent from three. Uh, what I mean, <laughs> just everything about his numbers. Two blocks per game. That's exactly. If you're looking for a guy to replace Nick Richards, who blocked two point one shots per game, here's a guy who can shoot. Who blocks two point uh, two a game. You're probably not going to get the same. I'd say shooting percentage uh, and the rebound numbers aren't as high as you'd want from a seven footer. But if you're looking for a guy um, to just be I, more an intimidating presence you got to get this kid because six eight is just not going to cut it in this league now uh every team you look at every sec roster they have a guy who's at least six ten in their starting lineup and tennessee's got like three guys above seven feet so if you want to i mean it's crazy that we're talking about the sec and not comparing them to the nation but that's how good the sec is becoming it's you got to have the size to compete in the league one thing that does concern me, Aaron, is I do want Matt Harms. I think no matter what the grad transfer market, if he's an option, kind of went through reasons why I'd want him to to great addition. But overall, part of me is starting to get a little like, um, because it happens like this every year, like whatever the latest grad transfer available is, we can just build him up so great that how good he's going to be when he comes here, like Obi Toppin's sure. brother and stuff. And part of me is just kind of like, dude, I mean, are we really just grasping here now? Because there's nothing else you can say about it, Aaron. Like, from where we were three months ago, we thought this could be one of Calipari's best rosters ever. And by all indications, it's not going to materialize that way. And it's really getting into the danger zone of, like, if they don't add a serviceable big, if Keon Brooks doesn't, you know, take a major leap forward from his freshman to sophomore year, someone gets injured, I mean, this could be a really ugly situation. So who knows, though? Did you notice, though, the U.K. basketball account – Kind of funny. They had tweet the SEC network tweeted the picture of Keon Brooks in the like Fresh Prince of Bel Air meme where like he's just in the empty house by himself. So that was kind of funny. Yeah. And then the UK UK basketball account, I think, replied to it or quote tweeted or something, and it had all the Avengers running. It was like, Don't worry, like reinforcements are on the way or something. So who knows if they were talking about the incoming freshmen, which they probably were, 
Or if they have some type of silent commitment or Matt Harms or somebody that they know is going to be in the works. But the next couple of weeks are hugely important. Absolutely. National Sign Day coming up. And, yeah, I I think really I was talking to um, Chris Fisher of 24-7, who's really uh, kind of one of the top insiders here. He doesn't expect any more freshmen coming. It's really going to be – obviously you got Topin coming in. He's not going to play next year, but – it's really going to be a grad transfer or bust um, from this point out. Uh, and, you know, harm's just that mold. And, you know, you made a really good point. We hype up all these guys. And, you know, last year was Kerry Blackshear. It's been the guys that no one talks about as much that Kentucky's landed, and they've quietly been really solid. Mm-hmm. I know Sestino didn't put up the greatest numbers, and he wasn't the greatest player. But you look at Reed Travis, who did come from a Power 5 conference like a harm's would. I mean, he came in here and scored 11.2 points per game and 7.2 rebounds with really young guards, Hero, Hagens, uh, quickly, all the young guards. And to me, I think he, he would be a more comparable guy to Travis and possibly better just because of that height. Travis's three-point percentage was nowhere near where Harms is as a career. Um, so I really th- – I don't know if Harms would come in here and win SEC Player of the Year, but I definitely think he would be a Travis-like guy at center where he's a reliable option. He works well with the young guards, and like you said, I, I think the fans here would eat this kid up. I really do. I think he'd bring mm-hmm. a lot of excitement into the building and have a target on his chest when he goes into other arenas, and usually for Kentucky, going into other arenas goes really well. Last kind of thing about the basketball roster, because you're going to hear me say this a lot until the season starts, and I'm, I'm proved wrong one way or the other, but as much as the roster doesn't seem like it's going to materialize the way that Kentucky fans have kind of hoped, I still stand by the statement that I think this team is going to go as far as Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark can take them. It all depends on how good those guys are. Are they like just killers like we, you know, we think and hope that they are? Because, you know, there's been so many scenarios like that where these guys come in. They're always pretty good, you know, but sometimes they're just exceed expectations, even as superstars. And I think that's what those guys are going to have to do. They're literally going to have to be one of the best backcourts in the country, basically. I think for Kentucky to accomplish some of their ultimate goals. And then my last piece would be, and I'm hoping to have some guests on here that actually told me this, but we've talked about this before on the Cats by 90 podcast, but all these high school events and sources that I reach out to every single time, Lance Ware's name has came up as like, he's going to be really good. Like people are sleeping on him. And then Isaiah Jackson. So I feel like those two guys just keep getting swept under the rug. We just act like they're scrubbed and they're not going to be able to do anything till next year. And who knows? So I think yeah. those four guys are really important, but specifically Clark and Boston. I mean, if they come in and they're the two best, you know, two of the best players in the SEC like they can be, then it should hopefully maybe be able to mask some of this other things that are going on because no doubt about it, it's, it's looking kind of worrisome where we stand on April oh, yeah. 16th. I think you, I wouldn't say you need them to be, but close to what Fox and Bunk were. I really do. I think. Oh, um, I think they need to be at least that good. Cause at least they, that man, look at that team. They had Bam. Yeah. Uh, they had Bam. They had Derek Willis. They had Isaac Humphrey. They had Dominique so, Clark. Who knows? This team could have, yeah, Dominique Hawkins. So this team could have those pieces. Like I just named a couple guys. But man, I really feel like those guys are, may even have to be better yeah. than those guys. Well, and I mean, like, just yeah. killers. Well, you look at that roster and yeah, Bam, Bam has been a better pro than he was a college player. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He was not. He was good. He wasn't great at UK. The numbers will tell mm-hmm. you that. And just watching right. him will tell you that. He missed a lot of the shots he should have made down low. But anyway, um, that roster overall 
wasn't great. What made it great was you take Fox and Monk off that roster, that team's a fringe tournament team. It really is. So I think Boston and um and Clark really do need to be close to that because, like you said, I think Jackson and Ware could be really good players, especially Jackson. I've heard a lot of good about him. Uh, but they might not be guys that I think they're both can be comparable to Keon. I think they could be solid and go through growing pains. The biggest wild card, and we haven't even mentioned Cameron Fletcher. So I don't really know much about him, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I'm thinking he's going to be similar to a Dante Allen, but we'll actually get to see him play year one. But what I'm really curious, I think the biggest wild card in this entire team, which was why it was so important for them to get David Mintz is with Devin Askew. This kid. Is younger than your average freshman. He's a ball handler who some scouts have raised, raved about. Others have been very skeptical in saying maybe he should have stayed in that 2021 class. So he's going to be even younger than most of your guys. He's coming in here, even with Davian Mintz signed in, he's still coming in here with the expectation of everybody that he's going to be the starting point guard. So you really want to see how he's going to handle that stress. Is he going to be a guy who can act? prove that he is ready for this level and he's going to just step in and be your starting point guard day one? Or is he a guy who you're going to be worried about and he's going to go through struggles and turn the ball over a lot, which you can't do, and you're going to have to hope that Davian Mintz is everything and more that um, he's been hyped up to be. And it, it, it's I think that's the biggest – if you're talking about outside of Clark and Boston, Devin Askew is the X – I think he's the X factor – and that's a great point because I'm the same way. I've gotten such mixed feedback about him. I know Jack Pilgrim from KSR really trusts his opinion. He he saw him play a couple of times at the Tarkanian Classic when Kentucky was out in Vegas, I believe. Loved his game, said he's a stud. I've seen some film on him, like recent film, when I just made me really concerned. Just like yeah, certain plays that just kept happening. I'm like, wow, that that just doesn't happen to elite guys. So you're right. I think that could, you know, if he comes in here again, kind of like we were just talking about, if he's as good or even a little better than his ranking and stuff says, that is going to go a long way because I think there's a real situation where he comes in and it's a lot for him to handle at once. And maybe, you know, I I know a lot of people think David Amens will even potentially start. So that's a good point. I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know, hopefully, like I said, positive news is, is coming in. Maybe by the, you know, hopefully, I should say, I guess by the summer, um, these guys will be able to get on campus and kind of start gelling hopefully. together. But one big positive for me is it's been really obvious. Like even you saw it yesterday with the Terrence Clark situation to potentially go to the G League. That this group seems to be pretty tight together. They're re- they're looking forward to playing with each other. And there's a lot more people than we realize. Like there's a lot of those guys. Every time we have this discussion, we're like, oh, we didn't even talk about it or we forgot about. It. So. I mean, it's a big group coming in, um, but but again, it is does not look like this roster is going to materialize in the yeah. way that everyone thought it would. I guess best case scenario now would be you know land Matt Harms, and who knows when that decision is coming. I'm kind of over these grad transfers, yeah. at least in their top tens and stuff. But I, I don't even want to get yeah. into that. Well, you know what's interesting is part of the point: will they even be able to get here? and start to mesh in the summer? And the answer is probably not because the NCAA and the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, had the conversation yesterday, and they mutually agreed no sports until students are back on campus. And UK has already declared that the university is going to be closed for the summer. Uh, it's all online classes. So my guess is that means there won't be any team activities on campus this summer, and that's going to make it even more difficult for this young team to mesh on the court. But obviously there's the virtual stuff. 
Uh, you can Zoom call. You can have a lot of different team meetings, but nothing obviously equals uh, being on the court together and meshing and knowing, you know, what passes guys like and what plays you're going to run and running those plays and practicing those plays, obviously. But um, at least we live in a world where they are able to at least develop personal relationships. Everyone knows when you recruit guys, uh, when you have a guy sign, one of the first guys, like we saw with our buddy John Young with football last year, they become recruiters too. So you guarantee you've already had some of that going on. And I guarantee you that there guys are working on Matt Harms right now. I guarantee you some of those young guys on the roster are doing that right now. Um, but yeah, I just don't see them being on campus this summer and that makes it even more, I wouldn't say worrisome, but it makes you question more, is this team going to be ready to be a typical Kentucky powerhouse? Real quick, too, before we wrap this up, I'm just, like, kind of reading through as you were talking, man. I'm getting nervous, Aaron, so everything's changing today. It's been the craziest, just, like, whirlwind of a week. But these $500,000 G League contracts really have me concerned about college basketball missing some of these top guys. So I didn't even see till just now. I've been kind of busy today. So obviously Jalen Green skipping the college route, going to the G League. Everything before like two days ago, all I've ever heard is, you know, they can make up to 100K. They ride the buses around. Just a super shitty thing to choose over college basketball for the most part. Now, though, I mean, you're talking about 500K with the ability to make considerably more through endorsements. And now I'm reading this where they're actually going to launch this G League team in Southern California, yeah. basically just to like kind of showcase Jalen Green. So I hear tons of people in are just like, oh, this is nothing. You know, the college basketball miss on two or three guys every year, which what does it matter? But like, I hate that, man. I want to see Zion Williamson. I want to see Ben Simmons. I want to see DeAndre Ayton. So I hope that's not what happens. And I don't know, I guess one and done's ending anyway, but I don't like the idea of these top, top guys not playing in college. I don't care if it's for mm-hmm. one year. And I don't care if their team doesn't make the tournament or whatever. I just like kind of, I guess, always grouping them in with the university throughout their career. So this is the real deal scary with this G League stuff. I think there are a couple ways of looking at it. I think right now it sucks. (laughs) You put it, you're exactly right. Because these kids are going to, like I said earlier, they're 17, 18 years old. They're going to look with their eyes wide open and say, money, money, I'm going to take it. Most of them will, not all of them. And that sucks. That part of it sucks. And there's no, I think we just need to get to a point where the kids who want to be in college are in college and they have to stay two years. And the ones who just have no interest in college are there just think they're at this level that's way better than everyone else. Like as maybe as Zion Williamson was obviously LeBron back in the day, they can just go to the league. I mean, why have kids who just don't want to be playing in college, play in college and then have a situation come up like we saw with James Wiseman last year where you know, obviously that was an eligibility issue, but we've seen it with injuries. We saw it with Darius Garland. Uh, we've seen it two years in a row with Vanderbilt's best player, actually, Aaron Naismith, too. So you see that all the time where they get injured and then they decide, yep, I'm not coming back. I mean, what? We saw Cole Anthony in college for like five games. I mean, it's a joke. So in my opinion, the guys who want to go to the league should just go to the league and we should be able to watch the guys and cover the guys who really want to come to college, develop their game and get ready for the next level. And I think nine times out of ten, they're going to choose college because they're not going to be ready. You just look at look at this year in college basketball. Even Anthony Edwards, who I think should be the number one pick whenever this draft happens, we saw him twice and we saw him in person once. He didn't look that good. <laughs> he really didn't look that good. He did not look like an NBA player. 
So hopefully, you know, these kids will get the right information passed to them. I think a lot of them are parents influenced, but I think if the NBA is going to do the right thing for these kids, uh, they're going to give them a fair evaluation and they will tell the kids who they think are ready to come straight to the league. And then the ones they don't feel otherwise, they'll give them the right advice and they'll go to college. Yeah, you're probably right. I think once I get a year or two removed from the new system, whatever that's going to be, because you're probably right, it's most likely going to be the two years in college deal if you go, you know, so that's top, right. top tier guys you probably won't see initially. But, I, you know, once we get a year or two into that, I guess it'll just be kind of come like the normal. But I just hate it. I love oh, the yeah. top guys, you know, coming to play college. Um, and then this year, like, one thing I'll say is that by all indications, I mean, Jalen Green is a slam dunk unintended case for this new model because he's that good. He can handle the pressure. He's played at prolific prep, which is basically like college anyway. So he looks like a stud. Um, I think it's going to go well for him. It hasn't for others. I didn't quite work out as, as great for RJ Hampton and stuff, but something to keep around. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. with COVID-19 too, I mean, this time next year and the next couple of years, this, the landscape of college basketball is going to look a lot different, but immediately though, the cats got to fill out this roster for next season. So hopefully they do that, and I would assume, Aaron, by the next time, next week when we talk, we'll probably have an idea of, of those grad transfers, and hopefully Matt Matt Harms kind of does this sooner than later. Yeah, I love the point you made. Is so, I so agree with it. Why are these kids who are like 22 years old feeling they have they need to put a ten, top 10 list out? Like, do you really want to relive all the people in your direct messages? Message, oh, where are you going? Oh, come here, come there. It's like. Why are you even doing that? And I know, uh, I mean, Juzang just did it with his stuff. Uh, the ki- even the kid Tolpin did it. We didn't see it. La- I didn't, I don't remember Nate Sestina or Reed Travis doing that. I didn't re- remember them kind of hyping up their transfer. So I get it. They want the attention, but it's annoying. And hopefully we'll just get a normal commitment out of the blue or whenever and kind of, I think after Harms makes his decision, one way or another, we'll know the entire UK roster. I really think it's him or Boss from the rest of the way. As far as putting your like top ten out on Kentucky roll call, and then they kind of shooed me on it. We're like, oh, let let them live, let them live. And I could see that side of it too. And I came up, sure. I made these two rules for myself on that. The first rule being, if you did like a big thing with that for your first commitment, you can't do it again. So yes. if you did some top ten, top five, top three, then made a video and did a hat, yep. you that's your only time you get to do it. And then secondly is just if you went to a blue blood in general. Like if you went to a top tier program, if you're at one of these big, big power five schools, I don't really see the reason and need to do the top five ten. But then if you're like a guy that was like a three star, you know, didn't necessarily yep. do that, went to a smaller place, now you have all these doors opening up to come to a big power five school or something, by all means go for it. But if you did a, a huge especially like if you were a freshman and you're leaving your sophomore year, it's like Dude, you just did all that stuff like right. 11 months ago. Literally, Johnny Juzang had a hype video, top five, 11 months ago, and just <laughs> did it again. For yeah. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, they're kids, let them live, and I agree with that, but come on. Like, just at this point, you're probably transferring because things didn't work out. So right now, are you the hot shot to talk? I, I don't think so. Right, yeah, yeah, good point. Well, man, we killed it. 45 minutes, literal on the dot, so... Good to talk to you, man. I'm glad that you're hanging in there. I appreciate everyone listening to Cats by 90 podcast. Check us out on iTunes. We'd love it. We ain't got any reviews in a while, so please shoot a review. Check out the Dad Podcast, and I will talk to you next week, Aaron. Yep. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.